Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our study of the Bible. Here, we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we've been able to do 23 books of the Bible. If you've not been able to listen to the podcast we've done straight from the book of Genesis, I ask you to please visit our app Bible In-Depth Network. Or you can also check on our podcast platforms. That's Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Deezer, Spotify. Name it, you'll find us there. And I believe the Lord shall speak to you as you listen. We are handling the book of Jeremiah and we've done 17 chapters. And today I want us to continue with chapter 18 of this book. It starts by saying, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the porter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the porter's house. Of course, from history and uh, how they used to operate, porters normally stayed in a place that is abundant with clay. It had a, an abundance of clay, so they are closer to where they receive their material that helps them work. So he goes down to them. Yeah, So he says, I went down to the potter's house. And there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. What is God trying to say here? He's telling them, I am the potter. You are the clay. And uh, I've had you in my hands. I've tried to mold you in something that is of value, something that I would love to represent me. Yeah, Because when the potter does something, it's representation of him representation of his creativity, representation of his mind. Yeah, When the potter is working, he does the best because what is put there on the shelves represents the potter. And he wants it to look good. He will put his time in it. He will give it the best attention that there is. Yeah, He will make sure it comes out perfect. And that's what God is saying for Israel, that you are the clay and I want the best for you. I put my thoughts in you. I do everything to make sure that you come out perfect, that you look as a people that is going to represent me here on earth. But what happens? Yeah, that it gets spoiled under his watch. God is watching Israel fall apart. God is watching Israel take another path. God is watching Israel do things that do not honor him. And here he's saying, Can I not do? like the potter does, that I will change that which I was making into something else. I will change the vessel. And you know, this is a warning to us that sometimes we think God is stuck on you, that there are no other options. But God can change the vessel. Just like he's saying, he's saying I can mold another one. It's not just you, Israel. Just like I chose you, I can choose another. So he says, can I not deal with you as this potter does with his clay? 
Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Yeah? At one moment I might speak concerning a nation, all concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it, if that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I'll relent concerning the calamity I planned to bring on it. All at the, at the moment, I might speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So he's telling them, if you cannot come out as that which I love to come out of my clay, I can change. If I had planned to build you up, I can break you down. If you do evil in my sight, you do not obey my voice, I can change. I can make another decision. I can take another turn. That's what God is saying for Israel, which applies to us as well. If you do not obey the voice of God, there can be a change in your fortune, in that future. In that which was promised to you, there can be a change. So he's telling them, so now then, speak to the men of Judah. And against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. O turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. But they will say it is hopeless. He's saying, Go and tell them this, but I know their response. Go and tell them, give them this message, but I still know how they are going to respond. They are going to say it is Hopeless. How many times has the gospel been preached out there and people call it hopeless? And people come out and speak all sorts of things about the gospel. And this is the prediction God is giving Jeremiah, telling him, even when you go out to preach this message, however good it is, they are going to tell you it is hopeless. And he's telling them, clearly, for we are going to follow our own plans. And each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. People are saying we are going to do what we want. Life is short. We are going to enjoy it the way we want. We are not going to be restricted by that which you say we should do that is coming from the Lord. We are going to do as we see fit. And they come out proudly speaking. We are going to act by the stubbornness of our hearts. So they are mentioning the stubbornness. They are taking pride in the stubbornness. How often do we see that? People taking pride in evil, taking pride in the wrongs they do, taking pride in sin, in wickedness, taking pride, denouncing God and taking pride in an evil heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord, ask now among the nations, whoever had the like of this, the Virgin of Israel, has done a most appalling thing. Now, when he's called the virgin of Israel, of course, with the way they will treasure virginity in, in those times, a virgin would have some level of pride associated with them. First of all, that they stay home, they stay with their parent until the day comes and they're taken by the groom. In pride. And now that is being spoken of Israel that it was that kind. But what has happened? They've walked out. They don't care about 
their virginity anymore. They walk out and go and spend their lives out there. So the virgin of Israel has done a most appalling thing. They are doing things that do not honor God. They are not acting. They are not remaining in the confines of their father. They are not remaining in the household until God has fulfilled his purpose in them. So he says, does the snow of Lebanon forsake the rock of the opening country? Or is the cold flowing water from a foreign land ever snatched away? For my people, what have they done? Have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods and they have stumbled from their ways. From the ancient paths to walk in by paths not on a highway. To make their land a desolation. An object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. Like an east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back and not my face in their day of calamity. He's saying people will come and look at what Israel was and it has totally changed. And people will wonder what happened to such a glorious nation. How far did they fall that their God, the one who brought them out of Egypt, the one who saved them, has brought them to such a terrible state. And he's telling them that. That it will come and it will happen to them. Yeah, In that day of calamity, people will look and they will laugh. Then they said, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest, nor counsel to the sage, nor the divine word to the prophet. Come on and let us strike at him with our tongue. And let us give no heed to any of his words. Of course, Jeremiah, with the words he speaks, he doesn't have very many friends, but rather those who want to kill him, those who want to beat him up. Yeah, we've seen that even in the previous chapters. So, after he's speaking these things, they devise evil against him. Yeah, Should good be repaid with evil? For they have dug a pit for me, he's speaking now. Remember how I stood before you to speak good on their behalf so as to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore, give their children over to famine and deliver them up to the power of the sword. Let their wives become childless and widows. And widows. Let their men also be smitten to death, their young men struck down by the sword in battle. May an outcry be heard from their houses. When you suddenly bring raiders upon them, for they have dug a pit to capture me and hidden snares for my feet. Yet you, O Lord, know all their deadly designs against me. Do not forgive their iniquity or blot out their sin from your sight, but may they be overthrown before you deal with them in, your, in the time of your anger. Of course, Jeremiah is angry at this point, and uh, there is no compassion coming from him. He's telling God to punish those who've been coming against him. Yeah, he's telling him, punish them. Bring them trouble. I think he's in a state of uh, sorrow that they want to kill him. So he's telling God, you kill them. Destroy them. Bring them down. Yeah. Chapter 19, thus says the Lord, go and buy a porter's earthenware jar and take some of the elders of the people and some of the senior Priests, he's giving him another instruction. He's saying, go buy that which has been meant by a porter. Go buy that vessel. yeah. And when you, you're done buying it, get some elders and some senior priests. 
Then go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entrance of the Portshut Gate, and proclaim there the words that I tell you. And what are the words? Say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to bring a calamity upon this place, at which the ears of everyone that hears of it will tingle, because they have forsaken me, and they have made this an alien place, and have burned sacrifices in it to other idols, that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah have ever known, and because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent and have built the high places of Baal, to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. Now he's telling them because of what they've done. He's speaking in front of many kings, the people, he's at a center place. He's saying, telling them clearly what is going to happen. Therefore, declares the Lord. When this place will no longer be called Topeth or the valley of Ben-Hinnom, but rather a valley of slaughter, I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand of those who seek their life. And I will give over their carcasses as food for the birds of the sky and the beasts of the earth. I will also make this city a desolation and an object of hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished. They are talking about it. And hiss because of all its disasters. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And they will eat each one's flesh in the siege and in the distress in which their enemies and those who seek after their life will distress them. Of course, this implies a time of famine. There is no food. And this used to happen that with the lack, you end up, people ended up eating flesh of their own. They would eat their sons. We've seen it. We've read about it in the Bible. And it happens in time of famine when there is no food that people resort to such habits. And he's telling Israel that is the same thing that is going to happen to you. And he tells him in verse 10 that then you are to break the jar in the sight of men who accompany you and say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Just so will I break this people and this city, even as one breaks a porter's vessel which cannot again be repaired, and they will bury in Topeth, because there is no other place for burial. Now, this vessel that he bought from the porter, he gets it and throws it down. He breaks it down. And that's the representation of what God is going to do to his people. He put time in them, just like the porter put time. But then, because of disobedience, he breaks it down. When you break that vessel, you can't get it back together. It is spoiled. It is gone. It can't be repaired. So he tells them, this is how I will treat this place and its inhabitants, declares the Lord. So as to make this city like Topeth, the houses of Jerusalem, he's telling them, and the houses of the kings of Judah will be defiled like the place Topeth because of all the heavenly host, and poured out drink offerings to other gods because of what they have done. Yeah, he's promising 
that trouble is coming to them. Then Jeremiah came from Topeth, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy, and he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to bring on this city, and in, on all its towns the entire calamity that have declared against it, because they have stiffened their necks so as not to heed to my words. God is sending destruction to his people, a people he loved so much, but they decided to turn against him. Hence, destruction is coming against them. Chapter 20, when Pasha, the priest, the son of Ima, was, who was the chief officer in the house of the Lord, had Jeremiah prophesying these things. Pasha had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in the stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. Of course, priests are listening. And Pasha is one of them. He is the chief officer in the house. Jeremiah is standing nearby. He's done his prophecy. They've heard it. He says, get that young man. Bring him. Beat him up. Put him in the locks. Let him be there. On the next day when Pasha released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, priest, he's telling this man Pasha, he's a priest, and he's telling him, is not the name, Pasha is not the name the Lord has called you, but rather, Magomisabib. For thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and while your eyes look on, they will fall by the sword of their enemies. Now, because of what this priest has done, something is happening to him, or something is going to happen to him. He's been given another name, and with that comes terror to himself and his friends, and they will fall by the sword. So he says, So I will give over all Judah to the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will carry them away, as exiles to Babylon, and will slay them with a sword. I'll also give over all the wealth of this city, all of its produce, and all its costly things, even all the treasures of the kings of Judah. I'll give them over to the hand of their enemies, and they will plunder them, take them away, and bring them to Babylon. And you, Pasha, he comes back to him, and all who live in your house will go into captivity, and you will enter Babylon, and there you will die, and there you will be buried you and all your friends to whom you have falsely prophesied. Pasha has received his judgment. When the time comes, he's been told, he and every one of his household shall be taken captive. They will die there in Babylon. And here, it's clear that he was a false prophet because he's being told that those he's been falsely prophesying to, judgment has come to him and those of his household. Being careful that the things you do have an impact on others of your own household, just like it is for Pasha. Oh Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. Now who is speaking? Jeremiah is complaining to the Lord. He's telling that God that he has deceived him, but Jeremiah is quite an emotional being on, on some occasions here that we read of, of him. And he is saying, God, you've deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and, and prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. 
I proclaim violence and destruction. Because of me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. That is something that happens to people who speak the word of the Lord. To prophets in their time, even today, speaking the word of the Lord does not promise good things to you in response from those that you're talking to or telling them about. Sometimes you suffer persecution, oppression, just like Jeremiah is here. And he's complaining, saying, but if I say I will not remember him or speak any more of his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. I cannot endure it. He's saying, however much it's bringing me trouble, I cannot find any room not to do it, because if I try to keep quiet, something burns within me. That's what happens to ministers of the gospel. You cannot be quiet because you feel it within you that you need to come out and speak. You need to get out and represent God. You need to come out and preach the gospel. That's what's happening to Jeremiah as well. He says, even when I try to be quiet, I cannot endure it because something is burning up in me. I need to speak the word of the Lord. And he says, for I have heard the whispering of many, terror on every side, denounce him. Yes, let us denounce him. All my trusted friends watching for my fall, they say perhaps he will be deceived so that we may prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed with an everlasting disgrace that will not be forgotten. Yet, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, who see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have set forth my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the hand of the evildoers. Cursed be the day when I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. These sound like words Job spoke as well. Cursing the day that he was born. You know, this happens when you're going through a very difficult time. In Job chapter 3, verse 3 to 6, remember, he said, Let the day perish where I was born, and the night in which I was said this, there is a man-child conceived. For him he went on and said, Let the day be darkness. Let not, go, let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. And that is the same thing that Jeremiah is speaking here. He's saying, Let that day be cast. Because of what he's going through, he must have been going through a terrible time. The treatment that he was going through, his friends and how they treated him. And he says, let that day be cast. Cast be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, a baby boy has been born to you. Now he has even gone ahead to cast the, the person who took news of his birth to the parent. Must have been very bad for him. And made him very happy, saying, let that man be cast. But let that man be like the cities." which the Lord overthrew without relenting, and let him hear an outcry in the morning and a shout of alarm at noon, because he did not kill me before birth, so that my mother would have been my grave and her womb ever pregnant. Why did I ever become forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow, so that my days have been spent in shame? Whatever he's going through is extreme, and the words he's speaking are extreme, He's speaking them not under the inspiration of God, but as a man. However much he was a prophet, he was also a man. Sometimes we forget to know that 
even people who speak for God at times speak their mind. And whatever they speak does not imply it's coming from God because the words this man has just spoken are not the words God would speak. Hmm? Cursing the day he was born, cursing the person who took the news, cursing the birth process. That's not of God that he's the one who has spoken through him. So, even us, as we listen in this day and age to the gospel, to the preachers, be sure that you have the spirit of discernment to know which words do apply. Not that everything is spoken. Indeed, is coming from the Lord. And that is key. Yeah? Today we'll close with chapter 21. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord when the king Zedekiah sent him to sent to him Pasha, the son of Milja, and Zephaniah, the priest, the son of Messiah, saying, Pleasing while the Lord on our behalf for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is wearing, warring against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us concerning to all, according to all his wonderful acts, so that the enemy will withdraw from us. Then Jeremiah said to them, You shall say to Zedekiah as follows, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am about to turn back the weapons of war which are in your hands, with which you are warring against the king of Babylon, and the Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the wall, and I will gather them into the center of the city. I myself will war against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm, even in anger and wrath and great indignation. And it goes on and says, I'll also strike down the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast, they will die of great pestilence. Then afterwards declares the Lord, I will give over Zedekiah king of Judah and his servants and the people, even those who survive in this city from the pestilence, the sword and the famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon and into the hand of their foes, into the hand of those who seek their lives and he will strike them down with the edge of the sword. They've come, I think, hoping for good news. But what they've received is you are falling in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. That is where you are going to fall in trouble. You shall also say to these people, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who dwells in this city will die by the sword and by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes out and falls away to the Chaldeans who are besieging you will live and will have his own lifers. But he is saying, you have no choice. Actually, the choice being given here, of course, the issue is you'll be taken or you'll be destroyed or you'll go through trouble. There's no choice about that. But you're going to take one by deciding whether you go with them or stay. You stay here, you die. You go with them, you live, but in captivity. That's what he's telling them. For I've set my face against the city for harm and not for good, declares the Lord. It will be given into the hand of the king of Babylon. And what will he do? He says he will burn it with fire. Then say to the household of the king of Judah, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord, Administer justice every morning and deliver the person who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor, that my wrath may not go forth like fire, and burn with none to extinguish it because of the evil of their deeds. Behold, I am against you, O valley dweller, O rocky plain, declares the Lord. 
you men who say who will come down against us or who will enter into our habitations but i will punish you according to the result of your deeds declares the lord and i will kindle a fire in its forest that it may devour all its environs of course judgment has come upon the people of israel and there's no turning back they'll be taken captive by nebuchadnezzar king of babylon and even though they pray to god at this moment he is not hearing he's not going to listen to them they have done wrong they've messed it up god is not happy judgment has come upon them and jeremiah makes it clear to them he says you will have no choice this city has been set for destruction whether you stay here and don't go you'll be in trouble but go with the chaldeans go with the babylonians go and be under the captivity of nebuchadnezzar and probably you'll have a chance to leave we have a decision to make as well the fact is judgment is coming and you have a decision to make whether you take on the side of the lord on the side of wickedness and that decision has to be made by each and every one of us the decision that is best because there's always a good decision and a bad one the decision that is best is for you to accept jesus as your lord and savior and walk with him and there is the hope there is a place where you find hope God has given us this opportunity. He sent him to die for our sins, me and you. And respective of everything we've done, unlike these in the time of Israel, where there was no way back, that judgment had already been made for you and I, irrespective of the life we've lived that has not been holy, that has been wicked, God gives us a chance and says, by grace, take on the saving power of Christ. And that's what God is telling us today. Leave evil and join my army of victory. Leave wickedness and walk a life of righteousness because with that there is no judgment, but rather eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation. We thank you for your declaration upon our lives which is good. And Lord, we pray that you help us walk with you and understand more about that saving grace that you have bestowed upon us. We exhort you, give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.